thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. God, they start living in the Word of God, okay? Let me ask you a question. Is the Word of God active and living in your life today? Is the Word of God active and living in your life today? I don't want you to answer that for your spouse. I don't want you to answer it for the person sitting next to you. But I just want you to answer it for yourself. Is the Word of God active and living in your life today? If it's not, it needs to be, okay? It needs to be. Look at the second section there. God's Word sustains or satisfies fully. God's Word satisfies fully. Look at verses 97 through 104. 97 through 104. Look at 97, 98. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day, I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wise. Your commands make me wise. Listen to me. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this. When your words came to me, when your words came to me, okay, I ate them. When your words came to me, they were a double cheeseburger wrapped in bacon, amen. I mean, you ate them. I mean, are you totally, totally just eating the Word of God? Is the Word of God so impacting in your life? Word of God, when you read it, you're just munching on it. You can't get enough of it. Let me tell you something. If you go a long time without eating, you're hurting. And if you go a long time without the Word... You're hurting. I'm just telling you. There, there's a reason, there's a reason that John's gospel, we're gonna look at it in just a little bit, talk about bearing fruit, okay? The word of God will produce a fruit in your life like no other thing in the world. Okay? Look at John, uh, go there, John 15. Go to John 15 with me. John 15. Look at verses four and five. John 15, 4 and 5, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Look at verse 7. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We read that and we're all excited. Listen to me. We are grafted. When we get saved, when we give our lives to Christ, when we're born again, we are grafted into Christ. Okay? That means that means we, the branch, are grafted into the big vine, okay? Nothing can separate that. You can't lose your salvation. Once you're genuinely saved, you are saved, okay? So you're in the vine. But in order to produce fruit, you've got the Holy Spirit of God living in you, okay? And in order to, in order to produce fruit, you've got to get in this Word. This Word, as you get into the Word, will produce a fruit in your life. Okay, and when you produce a fruit, your tree will look good. You will look good. You can walk around and go, I look good. Yeah, you do look good, okay? And you don't have to look GQ good. I'm just telling you, you look good because what this world desperately needs 
is nourishment, okay? It is starving. It's hopeless. It's purposeless. It has no direction, okay? It, it is starving to death. And what it really needs to see is a bunch of Christians who love Jesus and are grafted into the vine, who produce fruit, who walk out into a world that is starving. And they got fruit on their tree, and you got something to give to somebody else. Because many believers today are walking in a world that has, that has needs, man. People have needs, but their trees look like January. They ain't got no fruit on them. They are barely making it themselves, and they have nothing to give to this world. My friends, we need to be a tree. I mean, I got an apple tree in the backyard. That sucker's ugly, I'm telling you, okay? It's not ugly because it's an ugly tree. It's ugly because it has so much fruit on it that that sucker is just leaning, and it's just limp. It looks, it's just everywhere. I have to pick up limbs and mow under it. It's dropping apples all over the time, birds eating all over it. But I'm going to tell you, I look at that tree and go, Gosh, that tree is ugly. And God looks at that tree and goes, beautiful tree, because it's bearing fruit. See, my life must bear fruit. Because what you do is God puts us in, in contact with, divinely puts us in contact with starving people on a daily basis. Does your life have any fruit to give to them? You got any? Are they going, gosh, I... I thought you went to church. I do. Aren't you saved? Mm-hmm. Ain't got nothing to give, man. Now, I know you can give them money and you can go buy them food, but what many of them need is they need some of the fruit in your life. They need your cup so full that the saucer beneath your cup, it has water to drink in it because your cup overflows of the things of God. My friends, listen, no time like today than the church of today needs to be a bunch of trees with bountiful, beautiful fruit in order to give to a starving world, my friend. And we've got to produce lives like that. And we can't do it on ourselves. If we get in the Word, His Word and that Spirit begins to grow. I'm going to tell you, I'm not a smart man, but I do know this. Healthy things do grow. And healthy things produce fruit. If you're not producing fruit, it may be, may be totally limited or totally connected to the amount of time you spend in the Word. Because I know in my life, when, when it becomes like a drudgery, when I, when I get tired easily, when it becomes something I have to do, it's not burnout necessarily from being a pastor. It's burnout from you ain't been in the Word, Jeff. You ain't been in the Word. And so I start doing everything in my own strength. And you can find yourself there. And in your own strength, you don't, produce, you don't produce fruit in your own strength. You produce fruit when you're tapped into the vine, and he does it in you. I want you to go to Isaiah real quickly. Go to Isaiah's gospel. Go to Isaiah's gospel. Look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Look at verse 10. As the rain... And the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So it is with my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. 
Mm-mm. The word of God will never come back void. When you get in this word, it will accomplish the task that God wants it to accomplish, and it will produce the fruit that God wants it to produce. But we, as his kids, have got to get our life off autopilot and let him feed us through the word of God. And when we get in this word, I'm telling you, supernaturally, you'll begin to produce a fruit. This word will produce what he wants produced. It will accomplish what he wants. But we've got to get in the word. Look at, let's keep going in Psalms. Look at Psalms 105 and 112. God's word shines forth. God's word shines forth. Look at verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Look at verse 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I want you to see something about 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Is there an order there that's important? There is a big-time order that's important. Why is the lamp first light your feet? Because it's very important if you're ever going to follow God and do what God wants you to do, that God's got a purpose for your life and a plan for your life, that God got something that he wants you to do. You've got to figure out one thing real quick. You did not make your feet. The creator God made you. He wove you together. He, he made you in your mother's womb. He calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a plan for your life. He has a place for your feet to go. And what you have to understand first is you didn't make yourself and you can't call your shots. You've got to get in the word to know what God wants for your life. And God will show you. God says, I'll give you direction. So he says, first, I want to light your feet. I want you to remember that I, God, made your feet, and I, God, have a plan for your life. And first of all, to know what God has for you, you better find out first where you're at, okay? And so here you are. You light your path. He lights your feet. And then he says, my light, my word will light your path. And so once you know your, where your feet are, he lights your path. And all that light is, you start walking to that light. You start following him. Let me say this to you. If I don't ever sit at his feet, my feet will never know his path for me. If I never sit at his feet, then my feet will never know his path. Simple as that. Mary and Martha, you remember the story. One's working, one's sitting. One working's mad. I don't know why she didn't come over here and help me. My goodness. I got to do the dishes. I got to fix a meal. I got to clean the house. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. She's chosen the best thing, and it will not be taken from her. Listen to me. I'm not a good sitter. I'm not talking about a dog like sit. But I'm telling you, I'm not, I don't sit well. I'm a doer. I'm up all the time. I'm moving constantly. But I'm going to tell you something. I had to learn to sit. I had to learn to sit. I'm telling you, the discipline of being still is a spiritual discipline. The discipline of sitting quietly and not moving. The discipline of sitting and staying seated long enough for God to quiet your life and quiet my mind so he could speak. I'm going to tell you, it's a spiritual discipline that your pastor had to learn. Because I'm going to tell you, if you know me, there's not a lot of grass that grows under my feet. 
I do not sit well. I don't like being inside. I'd rather be outside. I'm constantly outside. I mean, my family's like, where's dad? Never mind, he's outside. Where's dad? Never mind, he's outside. I mean, I'm constantly out there. And so listen to me. This sitting, I'm, I'm not teaching this like I mastered it. I've had to learn it, my friend. It's a learned behavior. You can learn it too. You say, well, that's me, Jeff. I'm a doer. I'm a goer. I get up, I go, I lay down my head. My, my, I'm asleep before my head hits a pillow. I'm just go, go, go. But here's the deal. We can't go, go, go so much that we go without him. And you can do that. Don't outrun him. Don't outrun his presence and don't outrun his word. You've got to sit at his feet. You've got to sit at his feet. And when you sit and you listen to God and you get in his word, and he begins to produce a fruit in you. Then when, you, when, he, when you're sitting there and he begins to produce a fruit in you and he begins to light a path for you and you say, this is what God has shaped me for, then you can start walking in it. But my friend, listen to me. You've got to sit. And the whole way you're walking, you sit before you go. You say, well, my day starts at 6 and it doesn't end until 10 every day. Well, then at 5.45, get up and sit before the Lord before you ever take off out of that house. If it's hard to stop your life outside the house, then don't leave the house without sitting with the king. I'm telling you, you'll be richer because of it, and your life will begin to produce fruit. And what happens when your life begins to produce fruit, all the people that God divinely appoints you to come in contact with that day, guess what you'll have? You'll have stuff on your tree to give to them. But otherwise, you give them from a dead tree, a naked tree. You don't have nothing to give. Okay, so sit at his feet to learn behavior. Verse 111, we talked about it a while ago. The word of God will become a joy of my heart. Mm. Not something I have to do. I got to go have a quiet time. <laughs> I got to go get in a word. Well, trust me, you probably shouldn't because that's about all you're going to get if that's your attitude before you approach it. Okay, you got to approach it with joy. It will become joy to you and it will produce joy in your life. Let's keep rolling. 113. Psalm 119, look at, look at verse 113, okay? 113 through 120. I hate, strong language, I hate double-minded men, but I love your law. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. I have put my hope in your word. I hate double-minded men. I want you to go to, your, go to the Gospel of James Go to James real fast, all the way to the back, right after Hebrews. James chapter 1. Now remember, when we did the series in James, the book of James is written to whom? Anybody out there? Thank you. Somebody's here, right? Book of James is written to Christians. So he's not writing this to lost people. So when you read this, you go, yeah, them lost people, them people that don't know. That's not what he's writing to. He's writing to Christians. I want you to listen. But when he asked, verse 6, chapter 1, 1, 6. But when he asked, he must believe and not doubt. How can a believer not believe and not doubt? I thought they were believers, Okay. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. Mm. 
He is a double-minded man. He is unstable in all that he does. So I want you to see something for a little bit. Written to Christians. He doesn't want Christians to doubt. He doesn't want them to lose hope. Put your hope in the word. Believe in the word. So here's the deal. Double-minded man would simply do this. I go to church. I believe there's a God. I'm saved. I'm born again. I believe God can. You go over here, maybe to work or hanging with your buddies, and you look just like them. And over time, you begin to speak just like them. And out of your mouth, instead of coming life and fruit, comes cursing, okay, come cursing. Not just curse words, but cursing. Oh, God can't. God's dead. I agree. Church is messed up. I don't know what God's doing. If God is love, then why is all the, everybody suffer? If God is love, then why is there hell? If God is love, then if God cares about people, then why bad things happen to good people? All this stuff. And you can start agreeing with them. So over here you have this. Over here you have this. You're a double-minded man. You're unstable in all you do. So you say, well, well, well what's wrong with that? Here's what's wrong with that. You can't put the word in you and let it produce that kind of fruit. You, you look like the world. The Word of God, when you put this Word in, it flushes all that junk out, okay? So what comes out of a computer is what is put in a computer. So if what's coming out of your computer is double-minded, then maybe you need to get in a single-minded Word and put the single-minded Word into the single mind of your head so that you produce a single-minded Word comes out of your mouth. Because right now, you're like... God told them, told the people, you, they come with me with their lips, with worship, but their hearts are far from me, far from me. You remember Moses was leading the children of Israel, and each day, each day, he would leave the people with Joshua, and he would go to what they call the tent of tent meetings. You know why he went there? He needed a heart doctor. That's so why he went. He and God met one-on-one. It says they talk like a friend talks to a friend. And all that time, Moses was doing that. He was becoming a single-minded man. Because why? He doesn't need to be a double-minded. Because he was working with a bunch of people and leading a bunch of people that griped and complained all day long. He said, man, he's talking about my job. All right? But here's the deal. That's what he was around all the time. And if you're around that all the time, guess what that does eventually? That begins to impact you. You become cynical. You become a griper. You become a complainer. You won't ever be happy. You can't ever be happy. So you come home unhappy, and you bring your unhappiness from work into the happy home that your wife thought she created, and all of a sudden the whole thing is unhappy because dad came home with unhappy. Okay? Here's the deal. If you don't flush all that junk out of you so that you become what? A positive person, full of joy, full of hope, full of purpose, because you're in the Word. It'll flush it out. And that's what Moses did with God. He met with God one-on-one. He goes back to a whiny, negative person, negative group of people, but he's positive about it. God changed his heart in those ten and tent meetings. He did not become like the people he worked with and hung out with and led. He becomes separate and different. His fruit stood out. Does your fruit stand out? Are you different? Is your circumstances making you something? Is, there, is a circumstance changing you? Are you changing the circumstances? 
If you'll get in the word of God, it will begin to produce a fruit in you no matter where your feet go. But if you're not in the word of God, my friend, you're subject to all that stuff around you. Okay? We got a row. Look at the next section. God's word strengthens the faithful. Verses 121 to 28 through 128. God's, God's word strengthens the faithful. I want you to look at 125. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. It is time for you to act, O Lord. Your law is being broken. Mm. It is time for you to act, O God. Your law is being broken. Can I just say something to you? That sounds like us today in America, doesn't it? You sit there, and you watch it, and you see it, and you hear it, and it absolutely is a gut punch to you. It discourages you. It frustrates you. It upsets you. You don't have an answer. You're like, God, what, I mean, what in the world? This place is a mess. These people are a mess. We're a mess. This is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for those who laid their lives down for this country. What in the heck are we doing? And it's time for God to act. It's time for God to act. So how do you live in this world right now? How? How do you, how do you watch all that and it not, take a, it not be a gut punch to you? How do, how do you keep your chin up? How do you keep your head up and say, yeah, God's not dead. God's word lives. God this. How do you do that? You've got to get in this word every single day. You've got to. I'm not trying to be legalistic and go, okay, i got to have a check, check, check. No, just get in the Word. I don't care if it's morning, noon, night. It doesn't matter. Just find time to get in the Word. Because if you don't get the, this, in, this Word in you, this stuff that you see out here is absolutely going to derail the train. It'll get to you, man. You'll lose hope. You, you, it'll get to you, okay? Don't lose hope. The Word of God is powerful. It stands forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of God will reign forever. I'm going to tell you, God is more on the throne today than he's ever been in his life. He is not moving. He's not like on quicksand. He's not on sand that shifts. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've got to have hope in that. You've got to put your hope in that. You've got to find joy in that. And if you're not in the Word, man, I'm telling you right now, it'll suck you in. It'll suck you in. Don't get sucked in by the world. And understand something, the Word of God will set you free. It is life, my friend. The Word of God will produce life. It will produce nourishment. It will produce in you what you need. This world cannot satisfy me. I'm just passing through, okay? We today, as the little church and the corporate church, and I'm telling you, you say, Jeff, how many times can you say get in the Word? I don't know. I probably said it about 96 times in this message. But I'm telling you, I hope 97th time that I say it, you get it. you got to get in the Word. We've got to be people of the book today. My friend, the book will never disappoint you. Okay? It'll bring you joy. It'll satisfy you. It'll give you strength. And it'll give you hope. And it'll give you joy. And time today we need that, my friend. We need that. So be people of the book and come back to the book today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, thank you for your word. Mm. 
Thank you for the word, the inspired word of God. Your word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, your word gives life. It does. It nourishes us. It feeds us. It quenches our thirst. It satisfies us. We don't have to look for this world to meet our needs and satisfy us. The word of God can do that. Father, I pray today that you will drive us back to the word. Maybe it's just a couple minutes a day to start with, God, but we're in the word. Maybe it's a psalm a day or a, prayer, a, a proverb a day, whatever. But, God, I pray you drive your church, your people, back to the word, God, producing us a fruit, a harvest. God, I thank you for this church and all that you're doing here. And Father, I pray for any family here today. They may be visiting for a while. They may walk in the first time looking for a church home. God, I pray you lead them here this morning during our invitation time. Maybe there's someone at the sound of my voice that says, I've never, ever, ever given my life to Christ. I've never been born again. Never. But I want to today, Father, that you would lead them this morning to give their life to Christ and be born again. God, whatever you want to say to us today, I pray, Father, that you have spoken to us today. And that out of obedience, um, you will bless us, God. God, bring us back to the word. Tomorrow morning or tonight, may we get in that word, God, tonight. God, during this invitation time, I pray, Father, you're honored, glorified, and lifted up, and that you would draw men and women to you. In Christ's name, amen.